Listening to the iZombie Podcast with Robin and Steph, a fan podcast about the CW show iZombie. My name is Robin, and I can't believe it's the final season. My name is Stephanie, and it has been a freaking year <laughs> since we've had iZombie. Oh my gosh. It's been way too long. Crazy. <laughs> so uh right out of the gate, I do want to let our listeners know we have a little bit of sad news. It's not that sad, really. It's just you're going to have to wait a little longer for our first uh, podcast back. Uh, we've got a little bit of scheduling problems. Um, so we actually won't have the uh, podcast for our the, the first episode of the fifth season until next Wednesday morning, which is the day before the second episode. Oh, sorry. It's okay. It's okay. We, 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 we have schedules. We have conflicting things. And I mean, I, I, I will say on the bright side, that means that people have plenty of time to send us a whole bunch of feedback. So that's a uh, iZombie podcast at gmail.com. And uh, we're going to try to be out sooner than the day before the next episode in the, in the future. But yeah, this is uh, I also have to say if we we're still on Tuesdays, we'd, it would probably be out a lot quicker. Oh, yeah. Yeah, changing to Thursday night has just really messed up our world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we can't really do it Friday nights and then it's like, uh, you know, and too soon right after the episode airs. Some people can do that. I, I can't. I like to be prepared with, you know, research and, you know, watch the episode one or two more times. Yeah, you got to have – you got to let the episode percolate in your brain. <laughs> so usually I think we're going to be like recording on Saturdays and that, you know, I think that's cool because – you know, if we do get somebody on the podcast from the show, you know, they might have their have more of an opening on the weekends to to chat with us. So, mm. um, so coming up is my discussion with iZombie writer Bob Dearden. He and I talked this weekend about season four, and he teased quite a bit about season five. So you're not going to want to miss that. Um, but first, uh, I was going to release that. But then uh, iZombie is getting a bit more promotion from some news outlets. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I'm going to go over some of this information with you. Well, good. (laughs) I I can't wait to hear. (laughs) I will uh, warn uh, some folks. If you don't want to be spoiled at all, I would just kind of skip ahead maybe to the interview. I would say these are pretty light spoilers. It's what what we're expecting going into the final season. Okay. Um, yeah. So these are from a variety of sources, like variety, uh, <laughs> like uh, TV Line and TV Guide. So I'm going to try to give credit to you know each of the places that I get this from. So mm-hmm. this is from T- TV Line. Um, they're asking about Peyton. What, what kind of role is uh, Peyton going to be playing in season five? And they say she'll certainly have a bigger role within Seattle's political scene as the city's acting mayor. She has a lot of responsibility now on her plate, says uh, Allie. Um, She goes through some rough stuff with her job about halfway through the season. So it'll be interesting to see where she ends at the very end. If she's still the acting mayor or if that job has been pulled out from under her. Mm. So, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. 
and she says that uh, her new gig will put her at odds with uh, Major because, you know, he's in charge of Fillmore Graves now and what they're fighting for isn't necessarily the same thing, she kind of teases. Mm. Uh-huh. Uh, so the next uh, the next thing is about Blaine. There was some interviews with uh, Rob Thomas here and one is from TV Guide and they're asking – um, is this going to be Blaine's final shot at redemption or return to his truly villainous roots? <laughs> and believe it or not, B- uh, Rob gave like a definitive answer here. Oh, wow. <laughs> I know, right? He says the latter. It's probably going to be a season of no more Mr. Nice Guy for Blaine. All right. First thing's a season that <laughs> yes. are as devious as anything he's done in the past. He's gone back to his old ways. Okay. <laughs> I love to see some devious Blaine. I don't like to see like Blaine – Point blank shoot somebody in the face uh-huh. And then it's fine Afterwards but you know I want to see some scheming some connivings You know just some dastardly Deeds but not outright yeah. First degree murder or anything I did like some of his uh, Lex Luthor uh, realty uh, Shenanigans last year where he was uh, <laughs> You know murdered, murdered Poor Mayor Baracus and You know but that was a, that was a nice return To form mm-hmm. and Uh, uh In the Variety article, Rob Thomas says uh, Blaine spends the season in an interesting place where, for the first time in his life, people like him. Mm. He starts the season being where he's always wanted to be, being the cool rich guy. If you you remember, actually, in the uh, season four finale, he – Major makes him a deal that basically says, you know, uh, uh, I'll wipe your record clean if you start bringing brains into the city. So – so he it's he goes on. He says people view him as the guy who's saving the city because he's the charming rogue bringing brains in from overseas that keeps the city functioning, and he's well paid for it. He's very much enjoying the life he's living at the beginning of the season. Mm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if, I don't know if you, if you've seen the trailer, it does kind of open with uh, Blaine and like I don't know, he looks like a like a fancy robe uh, opening a fridge and it's full of fully stocked with brains. Oh. So <laughs> I'm thinking he's got he's he's living at the top. He's not living in a basement. Yeah, right. Uh, I I have a little spoiler about Clive, and I, I, this is this is kind of a spoiler. Uh, so again, skip I, ahead if well, you don't want to hear. I think I saw the promo pic. Exactly. <laughs> the CW has released an image of Clive reading a, a pregnancy book. So I'm assuming that. Uh, you know, now that Clive and Bazio are together and Bazio has been given the cure by Liv, he finally can fulfill his dreams of becoming a daddy. That so, would be a great uh, ending season. You know, that, w- that would be great. I say, I predict in the finale, the baby's born. The baby's born in the finale. Okay. Um, I will, uh, I'm probably wrong. <laughs> I'm worried. I'm worried because, you know. Just ha- nicely having a baby doesn't sound like it'll have much dramatic impact. Uh-huh. Oh, it's got to be something bad. Like <laughs> Something's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, should we call Zombaby? <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe not. Let's hope not. <laughs> we don't need to see Zombaby on the show, no. do we? <laughs> uh, Variety asks Rob, how does Liv's job as a trafficker renegade evolve this season? And he says, she's going to keep bringing people into Seattle, but it's a bit different in terms of the people she's worried about now, or they're worried about now. Fillmore Graves is no longer preventing people from coming into the city, so now instead of going against Fillmore Graves, they're really going up against the U.S. Army. 
So their opponent in that has changed, but her mission hasn't. Unlike most of the people she's brought in the past, with the possible exception of Isabel. <laughs> uh, this year, <laughs> sorry, I lost it for a second. This year, we're going to get to know a few of the people she brings in from the outside, and they will become recurring characters this season. Mm. Also, now that she is so public, her business model has changed. Instead of operating out of that hotel room, they have a safe house that's in a top secret location because she knows she's now a target. So the security protocol for Liv has become much more extensive. Mm. Mm. So, so there's uh, the stakes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, now about Major. Uh, Variety asked about Major to Rob Thomas. He says, uh, instead of Chase Graves' hardline approach, he's trying to mend the city. Have a military force with a smiley face. He's ended curfew. Zombies no longer have their own justice system. They're tried like anyone else. He's trying to appease people, but in the process, he's, they're, he's made his own soldiers unhappy. They now feel like, hey, you're doing midnight basketball leagues for human-zombie relations, and they're shooting at us from the windows. This isn't working. So that brings him into kind of a, a quite a bit of conflict with the men and women working with him. So, Major trying to... Uh, make love, not war, yet uh, his soldiers aren't exactly uh, – he's not exactly earning his soldiers' respect now that he's in charge. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, so we've heard about some conflict between uh, Major and Peyton. Now we worry about Liv and Major, right? And we're both uh, Liv and Major endgame, right? Are, oh, I mean, yeah. Are you? Um, uh, yes, OTP. OTP, that's right. He says about this. This is the season of no live boyfriends. She has too much going on this year. Here's the thing I will promise. There will be a definitive end to the live and major story. We've got a plan for an ending. I'm excited about where that goes. Their relationship will absolutely be explored. I can promise. Oh, okay. Well, good. Uh, because, you know, the, the whole lives boyfriend thing has gotten a little predictable. Uh-huh. So it's a good thing, you know, her and Major will end up together, so. I hope so. I He's not exactly swaying either way. He's just like, there will be an end. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's, say, he's been saying to uh, different press outlets also, uh, you know, that the, the possibility of Major characters dying this season is not out of the question, right? And it's funny because... Uh, at least two different news outlets have gone with the headline, Rob Thomas predicts major deaths this final season uh, by zombie. And I keep like tweeting it going, major? You mean major deaths? Or <laughs> Yeah, it's hard to tell but, but, about that, how that will go. Yeah. All right. TV Guide uh, asks about what's going on with Ravi. And uh, apparently in this storyline, Ravi is uh, teaming up the CDC to work on an actual cure for zombie. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we had Caddy Cups come in uh, a couple seasons ago, uh, and then she was killed. Um, so now they're bringing in more CDC people. Um, he, it's, Rob says it will have its ups and downs. He'll have a friend at the CDC, but there will be some people at the CDC who have different ambitions than Ravi. Hmm. So, so I would not trust all of them. Yep, conflict there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there's a bit of that for Ravi. All right, this is this is this is a pretty big one. This is a pretty big spoiler. Uh, uh, um, I'm, not, I'm not talking. I'm not talking about the end here. But it's just like this is this was a surprise to hear hear about. 
okay. just talked about openly. Do I want to right. know this? <laughs> I'm not talking about a death. Is that is that help? Uh, we'll live. Be cured. <laughs> no, it's nothing that huge. It's nothing that huge. Oh, okay. <laughs> At the Calgary Expo, uh, Rose McIver uh, did a uh, panel. Uh, I think last week, uh, Rose McIver's source actually broke this online. This was something she commented on publicly. Hmm. I think I may have read With this. People. Go ahead. Liv's family oh, would be a, quote, yeah. big storyline, quote, unquote. Uh, Rose has been pushing to make sure they got closure on it. Her hmm. brother is back, but the actor now looks like, quote, a completely different person. He was 16 before, but now he's six feet and jacked, unquote. <laughs> So, uh, according to this quote, this panel, Rose McIver has confirmed that Nick Percha is going to be back for season five playing Evan Moore. But what about Molly Hagen? Mm-hmm. Well, luckily, she is friend of the pot, Molly Hagen. She was she did guest in a, a first season episode. So I reached out and uh, I will say this. Uh, she could not confirm or deny her involvement. Mm-hmm. But... She could say, quote, Rose is right. Nick Percha is well-formed. Well yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like she has firsthand knowledge of this. <laughs> like she's been in his, e- in his Either she's been area. in his presence mm-hmm. or she just knows this. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, you know, again, Molly Hagen did not confirm this. Uh, I, I don't want anybody to pick that up, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just want to say, you know, like, uh, who knows? But uh, I, I really, really hope both Eva and Evan um, show back up. Yeah, when I saw that, I was shocked. I was floored. Like, I was not expecting this at all. Because when we were on... Uh, Geek t- Vibes. Geek Vibes. Geek Vibes Nation. Yeah, they had us on to talk about their our, our top 10 uh, iZombie moments. And we got talking about uh, the possibility of... Uh, of Eva and Evan coming back. Yeah, and you and you and I were like, nah. No we, way. No way. That they No way. Nobody cares. No. Nobody cares about that. And sure enough, well, so Rose was pushing it. Looks like Rose cares. That's Rose great. Cares, which is awesome. I mean, that's great that the writers listened to her that she was like, you know what? It just makes sense that yeah. that we would get that we would go back to her family. So Uh-huh. Interesting. Uh, so that's Very that's interesting. really really happy news. Really yeah. happy news. Again, Molly Hagen did not confirm or deny. Okay, uh, TV Guide says uh, asks uh, Rob, should we expect re- resolution at the end? Rob says, every other year we wanted to leave people demanding more. This year we knew we weren't going to get more. We tied everything up in a bow. There might be a couple of lingering questions that are fun thought experiments, but fans should expect a ton of resolution at the end of this season. Well, good. That is good. Yeah, it just mm-hmm. it makes sense. They knew it's they mm-hmm. knew it was ending. They got plenty of time, and so we're gonna have a whole season of wrapping it up, closing it up. Yeah, that's good. Uh, next question is uh, any Veronica Mars cast members in season five? Did you see that trailer, by the way? Yes, it was excellent. Can't wait. Holy cow! Looks Veronica like very Mars. high quality. Lots of lots uh-huh. of moolah. Money, money, money. Uh huh. And I yeah, I gotta say, Hulu uh, kind of beat the CW in putting together a, t- a trailer for a Rob Thomas show. <laughs> so, yeah, we got like thirty seconds, uh, and uh, and they got like a full blown like movie trailer. 
Uh, it looked really, really cool. And uh, I do believe Logan took his shirt off at least once. Oh, Logan twice. coming out of the water in a bathing suit? Yes. Oh, yeah. I believe there's a volleyball scene with Logan. Uh, there's some uh, hot making out. Oh, that's well. what we're here for. There we're, yep. <laughs> Hashtag love forever. Uh, <laughs> so, so yeah, the question was, any Veronica Mars cast members in season five? And Rob says, I don't think they're ones that haven't appeared. Ken Marino will return as Blaine's high-priced lawyer, and he's brilliant. And by the way, Ken Marino, I don't know if anybody remembers or cares, but when I said I visited the set and I couldn't disclose who was guesting when I was on the set, it, that was Ken Marino. Oh. So I, I, I was in the vicinity of Ken Marino, but I didn't actually get to talk to him. <laughs> he was working. <laughs> uh, so that's cool. It's cool that that's out there. I felt a little weird. I'm like, duh, you know, he's he was in previous seasons, but, you know, you, you kind of signed an NDA. Uh, so, um, and he also says Johnny Frost is in a few episodes. There are a few more, too. He doesn't specify any more. Um, and then they we have the reverse of the question, which we were wondering about. Are iZombie cast members in the new Veronica Mars revival? And Rob Thomas confirmed that no. No, oh. no. Mainly well, because the shows are sh- we're shooting at the same time. Uh, we have one shooting in what L.A., San Diego, somewhere around there, mm-hmm. and we have iZombie up in Vancouver. They said that he he basically said that by the time iZombie was done, there was one episode of Veronica left to film, and he wasn't just going to have like you know somebody just come down and play a bartender for and you know with two lines. You know, mm-hmm. he says. We should expect to see them in future projects of his because he loves writing Aww, these actors. That's wonderful. I love that. Right? So I love I love that that's cool. It's like uh, you know, a confirmation that um you know, the, the it's not like these relationships end. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. we can see that with uh, Veronica Mars even, you know. Mm-hmm. Um we may not have any more eye zombie stories, but um, you know, we'll at least see these actors again. Okay. Um, I mean, you know, in Rob Thomas things. I'm sure we'll see them in other things as well. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Uh, Fans forever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> we will follow you to the ends of the earth. Variety asks, uh, there's one more thing. Variety asks, uh, have you known all along how the story of iZombie would end from the beginning? Rob Thomas says, basically, I mean, I didn't plan on live dying, but I guess that happened. Oh, darn. Did I read too much? <laughs> I'm just just kidding. That wasn't a line. That wasn't anything he said. <laughs> he, he he actually says, basically, I don't know that we had all the details, but I've known the answers to the big picture questions. There are certain things I didn't know at the beginning, like the notion of Ravi and Peyton being a couple, for, for example. We didn't think about that going in. It was only watching these two on screen together that, that that became interesting to us. Some of those details that have happened along the way are things we've picked up. But in terms of the big story of Liv, the zombie outbreak, and how it's resolved in Seattle, that we've kind of known the whole time. Which is cool. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I love that there's a big plan, you know? I, I love hearing about that. And, you know, also that it's adaptable. Mm-hmm. When things like... The, 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 ma- the magic of Ravi and Peyton happen on screen. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, that's all the news I have to share. It keeps, gets us right up to date for when we uh, podcast. Uh, again, we're podcasting next uh, Tuesday, so everything will be out Wednesday morning. 
Um, the premiere episode is called Thug Death. It's written by Rob Thomas and directed by Dan Etheridge. Both friends of the show. Uh, <laughs> I didn't say pod. I didn't say pod. Okay. <clears throat> Uh, the, the description is Your favorite Zomcom Romdrom is back For its final season While investigating a murder case with no body And no brain to eat The only evidence Liv and Clive Have to work with is a grainy Video and a little bit of blood Found at the crime scene Meanwhile Blaine is up to his Old tricks Yes Yes <laughs> Um Maybe one more little spoiler warning. I've read ahead to the next next actual two episodes plot descriptions, and the murder that happens in the first episode, I I do believe it is it's stretched across the the case is stretched across the first two episodes. Okay, so, good. I like so, that. Yeah, yeah. It makes it Again, seem no bigger body and more important. no brain. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so up next is my discussion with Bob Dearden, although I do want to clear up a couple errors when it comes to our discussion of the episode titles. Um, and, uh, you know, Steph, I'll, I'll tell you them all after we <laughs> stop recording. But, um, the, uh, I say in there, uh, episode four, I got all these episode titles off, off of IMDb mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, I read them all to him, um, at least the first 11. Uh, so, uh, episode four's title on IMDb was called Dot Zom. That's actually uh, not true. Rob Thomas released a uh, um, a photo of all the Veronica Mars scripts and all the iZombie scripts sitting on a bookshelf, and you actually saw the titles of every iZombie episode. Oh, I wondered what was so, so important about that picture. Oh yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, so on IMDb, episode four's title was Dot Zom, and it's actually been confirmed to be, uh, through that picture, uh, Silicon Death Valley. Oh, okay. I like that this better. This is going to be computer related. Um, and also we have the titles of the last two episodes of iZombie. Again, in Bob Deard interview, that took place uh, this weekend, so we didn't have that information. But now we do. The penultimate episode of iZombie is called... By zombies and the series wait, finale. Wait, wait, wait! By zombies, mm. like B Y E. Yes. Like by zombies. Like yeah. By zombies. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And the series finale is called "All's Well That Ends Well," which is great. That sounds. That sounds very positive, positive. and uplifting. Yeah. Good. Uh huh. Uh, also, it has the word well in it twice, so we know that uh, uh, the well is hell, uh, oh. but the Angus storyline seems to have been uh, uh, ended last season, so I'm not sure if it's a reference to that, but I'm just trying to look, like, oh, all's well that ends well. That I don't trust you, Rob <laughs> Thomas. <laughs> There's yes, something fishy about because that. from what we have realized, Rob Thomas seems like he has this... This positive, upbeat personality, <laughs> but there's some darkness there. I know yeah, in his he wants heart, to crush us. <laughs> he has got darkness in his heart. Well, with that, I'm going to say goodbye to you, Steph, and we'll meet up again uh, next week for our discussion of Thug Death, and uh, we'll move on to my pre-recorded interview with the always awesome five-timer club member Bob Dearden. 
You're listening to the iZombie Podcast with Robin and Steph. My name is Robin, and with me to here today to collect his five-timers club jacket is friend of the show and iZombie writer, Bob Dearden. Welcome back once again, Bob. Well, thank you so much. I, uh, I sent my measurements to the tailor and am looking forward to uh, receiving that jacket in the mail. Oh, absolutely. I hope it's uh, the same color as the uh, gold jacket that uh, Happy Gilmore was vying for in that movie. That's uh, it's my preferred color for sport coats. Yeah. Uh, well, we can do gold. Sure, sure. <laughs> Perfect. That was a terrible joke. I gave it a shot. But you... I, I had to reach back for the Happy Gilmore reference. I'm like, uh. <laughs> it's the first thing that came to mind. What can I say? <laughs> no, I was thinking about the uh, like the SNL five timers jack club jacket. But right, like where 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 anyway uh, anywhere is prestigious says uh, SNL. <laughs> Right. Well, I'll take it. Believe me. Well, season five is uh, approaching. It's coming this week, and uh, it, this is it for Eye Zombie. What, what, is, what is your What is your feeling as you're uh, closing this uh, this chapter of your life? Well, it's uh, it is closing a chapter. That is a uh, an apt description for for the show and for me personally as well, because it's the first thing that I first real job that I had in this uh, new career. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I was on the, uh, as I think we've talked about before, I was on the, the pilot as an assistant to the producers and sort of work my way up over the years. So it's, uh, it's bittersweet for sure. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it, it's a great thing that we had the seasons that we had and, and the run that we had, uh, and couldn't be more grateful to all the people that made that happen, obviously, including the fans. Um, but of course it's, uh, you know, sad to see it go at the same time. Um, I hope that people, I hope that people are happy with the way that we sent it off. You know, it was, it was, um, I guess somewhat disappointing to know that we were canceled before the season, but very nice that we got a fifth season. Um, and also nice to, to have that sort of, um, uh, you know, notion that, that it was all going to have to be wrapped up as we were breaking story in the room right. so that we brought the story to hopefully a, uh, satisfying conclusion for everybody. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I was uh, just talking on another podcast about iZombie and, uh, you know, unlike Veronica Mars where it, it, I guess they kind of found out in the last like five episodes, you know, you guys have like an entire season to plan out how this how this goes down. I'm really looking forward to seeing how it how, how you guys pull it off, you know. Yeah, well, I, hopefully you and, and the rest of our fans that have stuck with us are are uh, happy with what we came up with. I think we were pretty happy with it, and um, yeah, I, I don't want to. <laughs> the more I talk about it, the more I'm afraid I'm going to give stuff away. But um, you know, we we uh, every season we went in with um, kind of an overall arc and an idea of where we wanted the season to end, and and this season was no different, except that you know it, there was a little more pressure on. I think, um, you know, the big creative minds to, to put a bow on it. You know, there's so much scrutiny on series finales these days. Um, and, and so much commentary after the fact where, uh, uh, people can be quite opinionated. Um, I think at least in my mind, I can't speak for, for Rob and Diane, but at least in my mind, um, that was always a little bit of a cloud hanging over, you know, we have to make sure that we land it. Um, so like I said, hopefully, you know, we think we did, but hopefully everyone, everyone who's stuck with the show is, is happy with, uh, what we came up with. 
and so, yeah, I mean, what was the attitude of the writer's room overall in, in writing season five? I mean, you, you're now plotting towards an end. Was it was it celebratory or was it like, oh, man, like countdown kind of thing or or maybe a little bit of both? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, probably a, a bit of both. Um, you know, we had a, a bit of turnover in our writer's room this year. So uh, four of our writers who had been with the show since season two – uh, moved on to to other shows um, and then were replaced by a new crop of writers. So there was definitely a you know a, a certain new energy um, and excitement about about the show, even though it was ending um, for the people that were, that were you know new to the whole thing. And then you know for Rob and Diane, I think there was um, you know a bit of a being pulled in a couple different directions because Veronica Mars was. Uh, sort of launching the reboot that's going to be on Hulu this summer. Um, you know, around the mid-season point of iZombie, of breaking the story for iZombie. Um, you know, so I, I know that uh, it was a, a lot of work for them, uh, like an insane amount of work for them, and for John Enbaum, who took over as our showrunner when, when Rob and Diane shifted over. Um, oh, yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, and he'd worked on this show in seasons past, okay. and, um, you know, it was one of the the main creative voice is responsible for party down. So he's obviously, he knows what he's doing. Um, extremely talented writer, extremely funny guy. And, uh, and so it was, it was a different process than in years past. There was a less continuity, I guess, uh, in terms of who was in the room. Um, as far as breaking the stories though, I think there was, you know, every year we kind of, uh, prior to this one, we've kind of, um, been driving to a certain big, finale point or uh you know a a moment that will launch us into the next season of course we're not launching into the next season at the end of this one um but the process was much the same of just we kind of had a end point from the very beginning of the season uh that we knew we were trying to get to and it was just a matter of how to sort of properly lay the track and and um put all the uh the signposts up on the way to that conclusion so you know it was it was a, a little bit less of a burden in some ways to not not a burden but a little bit less of a a task on our shoulders to figure out a um you know a a point at which we could leave the season that would feel like a finale but also give us a you know a whole new world to explore for the following season which is what i think we've aimed to do you know in seasons two three and four um in this case you know there the idea of uh, of a launching point or a, a paradigm shift was not part of the equation, which in some ways was a was a relief. Um, but like I said earlier, of course, to you know to figure out a, a way to put a bow on it in a satisfying way for everybody was it, it, it filled the void, uh, you know, of, of the burden that was no longer there. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, yeah. uh, you know, we just did a uh, rewatch of Veronica Mars and seeing how that all ended. And it was just so, you know, down and sad, kind of sad, you know. Um, yeah. I, but I just figure, I don't know, with the, the season, the plot ahead, that it's going to have to be, I mean, obviously, we can't say whether or not it's going to be a happy ending. But I just think it's going to be more of a, this is, this is it, you know, this is, this is going to be, right. this is the show that, uh, Finn, you know, <laughs> put the, yeah, there, there is at least that, yeah. you know, and, and on the flip side, I mean, Veronica Mars ending the way you've described, um, you know, kind of ultimately led to the movie a few years back and the, and the new series now, because there was a, 
uh, unsatisfied appetite still out there. Um, in our case, I, I think we, I mean, who knows with all the sort of relaunching and rebooting of things, there may be another eye zombie in 10 years, but, um, with ours, there is no sense of that. There is, you know, like you said, a sense that this is it. Um, and that's liberating in some ways, I think when you're trying to break the story, because in past years, we've kind of had to try and uh, walk a bit of a tightrope between, you know, we don't want to end the show. We don't know if it's coming back year to year because that's never announced or rarely announced until after the fact, after you've already, you know, finished production on your season. Um, and so you don't, you don't know necessarily if you're coming back, you don't want to leave a giant cliffhanger. Um, but at the same time, you don't want to leave the story feeling like it's completely wrapped up and has nowhere else to go. Otherwise you're almost, um, nudging the network in a, in the direction of, uh, tying it all off. So, it's it's tricky for sure, and I think in Mar- Veronica Mars' case, like you said, I, I don't think they um, necessarily had a, a good indication beforehand that the show might not come back. I mean, obviously, you know, every show it's always up in the air until the official renewal happens. But I don't think they had a, a good sense that it wasn't coming back, and I think they kind of expected another season until um, you know close to the close to the last weeks of breaking or the last few episodes of breaking that season three. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I think credit to them for not for not wrapping it up in some uh, happy little way because that wasn't that wasn't really what that show was about anyway. Um, and like I said, it also you know led to everything that's come after because I think fans were left wanting more, uh, and now they're going to get it. That's cool. You know, yeah. Did you get to uh, work at all on the revival or have any part of that? I did not. No, they were they had a shared office with us, so uh, you know we passed them in the halls and that sort of thing. Um, but because of the schedule overlap, that was never really an option for me, uh, which is, you know, a little bit, a little bit heartbreaking, but, uh, just cause I love that show. But obviously I was very happy to be, uh, you know, continuing to work on iZombie and seeing that through to the finish. Yeah. And in our, uh, rewatch, we ended up watching, uh, play it again, Dick uh, again. And, uh, I gotta give you a, a round of applause for that one. That, that, that web series is so freaking funny. Uh, well, thank you. Yeah, we had, we had a good time doing that. Um, that was the first credit I actually ever first first writing uh, ever got paid for, uh, all by the grace of uh, the generosity of Rob Thomas. Um, but yeah, that was uh, that was a really fun experience, and it was all directed by Viet Nguyen, who has done a bunch of iZombie episodes as well, yeah. including one this. Yeah, we've had him on on the podcast before. I hope to get him back. He's he's a cool guy. Yeah, yeah, busy guy. Yeah. Works a lot of these days. He's got two very young kids, so he's uh, he's a he's a rare sight. Um, I used to see him all the time at uh, at our offices because he started off working in the post production department, and then uh, I think we just even after he was done with that and directing full time, he would just come by quite a bit. Um, but these days, a Viet sighting is uh, is a rare thing. Uh, yeah, I think one of my. Uh... One of my favorite modes from Play It Again, Dick, is when Dick is like, I need like an Asian person to beat up. And then it goes, the camera turns on him and he's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's his Hitchcock cameo. <laughs> yeah. um, so so looking back uh, in seasons one through four, let me list them off. You wrote Maternity Live, Love and Basketball, yeah. Reflections of the Way Lived Used to Be, Conspiracy Weary, and Goonstruck. Any uh, reflections of uh, writing those episodes? Like, do you have like a favorite that you worked on, or 
Uh, Goonstruck for sure yeah. is a favorite uh, for a number of reasons. I mean, I think you know I was pretty green when I started, and and still am, but uh, got quite a bit better. I'd like to think um, you know with each subsequent episode. So that was the the latest in the line, and, and the one that was um, I think sort of best received by the people in charge. Mm-hmm. Um, so that felt good. And it was also obviously a little more in my wheelhouse of my personal experiences. So that was fun. Uh, and I also got to be on sort of the cherry on top was I got to be, uh, on camera briefly getting beat up. Um, when Clive shows the, the clips of the goons, uh, you know, fight career, uh, I'm one of the people getting beat up by him. Oh, on there, how do I not remember? Did this, did this come up during uh, when you guested on Goonstruck? Because I don't remember this now. Now I need to go back and rewatch that. Well, it's a you blink and you'll miss uh-huh. it. Um, <laughs> it's just when Clive is – they're in the morgue and Clive is showing Liv and Robbie, I guess, you know, what <laughs> what's in store for Liv when she eats his brain. And it's a bunch of highlights of, uh, of our goon, um, you know, fighting people in, on the ice. Uh, and I'm just one of the guys and it, you know, it's a fraction of a second, but it's, uh, it's the highlight of my, my stunt performance career so far. <laughs> I, uh, I visited the, the set in Vancouver this past October while they were filming. Um, oh, yeah. I, I, I offered to be on camera, but I, I, there must be, I think there's some sort of like, uh, you have to like be in uh, like some sort of actors thing or something I don't particularly know anything about, but <laughs> like I can't be I can't yeah, be employed in Canada or something like that. So. Right, there are certainly uh, many union rules and regulations yeah. where all that comes into play. Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun though. I, it's so gosh, wow. Um, okay, so how about uh, how about this season? Do you have a, an episode this season? Did are you, are you willing to say? Yeah, I about actually it? got to write. I got to write a couple of episodes this oh, really? season, which is great. Um, it's the fifth and the tenth episodes of the season, um, so that was really cool. Um, a lot, a lot of work for sure, but you know, um, that's <laughs> that's the goal we're in it for. Um, so that was great. I, I think um, outside of those, one of my favorite episodes of maybe the entire series, certainly the season is the third one, which is uh Diane Ruggiero Wright's episode. Um, five, six, seven, eight. Is that the, the dance episode? Yes. yes. Yeah, that is the title. Yeah. And, um, I think some photos were released way back when yeah. this episode was in production. So it's not a, a spoiler or anything, but yeah, there's, um, there's a, a dance competition and, um, Liv and uh, and Robbie have have a lot of fun with that without trying to give anything away. It's it's just a very funny, uh, very enjoyable, very satisfying episode that I think people will will love. Cool, cool. Um, so we actually haven't even t- we haven't talked much on here at least you know since episode five of Goonstruck. Uh, so what are your thoughts about? I mean, I'm sure it's looking back. Uh, kind of far at this point, but what are your thoughts about how like season four went, like with the the new Seattle storyline and how it all resolved in the end with Major taking over and Liv being renegade? Did you? Yeah, I mean, it it it, it definitely is reaching back. Um, it's even reaching back to think about season five because you know we wrapped the uh, uh, production at the end of January, so it's been a few months since we've even um, been on set or anything, and. Uh, 
I think it was back in June when we opened the writer's room. So it's been almost a year since we started talking about season five, which means it's been two years since we started talking about season four. Um, but I thought there was a lot of, I mean, I thought there was a lot of good stuff. Obviously I'm biased. I'm kind of on the inside of the factory there, but, um, I think it's a sort of a version of a zombie outbreak that we've never really seen before, at least not to my knowledge. I'm certainly no expert on the genre. Um, but I thought it was a, you know, within our heightened reality, I thought it was a, you know, a somewhat realistic take on what might happen. Um, you know, if, uh, if the news got out, uh, and certainly the storyline where Liv becomes renegade, um, felt very, you know, true is a, not quite the right word to use when talking about a, a zombie romantic comedy, but uh, you know, it, it, felt like if this was a real thing, if somehow, you know, sentient zombies could exist, uh, I feel like people that, you know, had nowhere else to go would, would sort of migrate to wherever this haven was in droves. Um, and I think the reactions to it and the, the, um, sort of pushback against it that created that conflict between, you know, Renegade and, and that whole operation in Fillmore Graves, um, felt real to me as well. It felt sort of, you know, organic, I guess, for lack of a better term to, to the world that we had built up to that point. Um, you know, it's a little more, uh, I guess, sort of serious in some ways and, and, um, dark Mm -hmm. than say the Max Rager storyline, which was a lot of fun. And, and, you know, of course you, you always enjoy uh, having someone like Steven Weber to chew that scenery. Um, but I do think it was a it was a logical and um, and pretty emotional uh, direction to take you know the story of our world at large and and I think um, I think it was pretty interesting what you know what Rob and Diane chose to do with our characters within that world like how to make them kind of key players so that's I mean that's my feeling yeah. but again I I the one thing about writing uh, for I guess anything for anything on television is you immediately have um, have no objectivity when it comes to watching the show, and that's not just because I'm you know I'm working on it and so I'm rooting for it, um, but it's also because you when you know everything that's going to happen already, um, you take away a key part of of what it is to be an audience member. So there's no like you know there's no way for me to gauge at all in a, in a weird way um, whether the choices we've made feel right or if there are choices that I would uh, root for or applaud if I was just a fan watching the show with no prior knowledge. All that perspective is gone. Um, so I really, you know, I, I leave it to you and the fans to uh, um, take take that mantle. Well, I mean, you know, sp- yeah, speaking of mantle, like live like taking up the mantle of uh, Renegade, well, I think was a wonderful upgrade to the role she had in previous seasons. The fact that, you know, she found meaning in helping Clive right from the get-go uh, and, uh, you know, having this role, but also uh, just having her continue it with helping the sick and dying, uh, you know, people of uh, New Seattle and, and, and helping people out. I just think it was a, a wonderful upgrade to uh, the character herself. Yeah, now that you mention it, I, I think we did have discussions about that going into season four. Um, you know, just the idea that obviously she's the center of the show, um, and 
and has a uh, you know has it has a a defined purpose every episode in that you know she's with the a story she's with the crime of the week um you know her and clive at on cases but when we have such a um highly serialized component of the show as well uh it sometimes felt that the other characters were getting a little more to chew on i guess when it uh when it came to those um you know those storylines that carried over over the course of the season and uh and we did want to give her something you know a little more purposeful um beyond just solving crimes with Clive which obviously is is still important to her and remains important to her in um in season 5 um but just giving her a, a little bit more of a big picture purpose was certainly a goal and and where that storyline kind of came from in the inception so yeah and uh I don't know, her role as Renegade and then Major being in Fillmore Graves, finding acceptance there, just how that causes a rift between them is good. It's good. probably was a great, uh, you know, a great dramatic storyline for you guys to chew on. But, uh, man, to me, I'm like, can these guys just finally be happy together? Or <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, it's a, I mean, it that's a question I feel like that comes up in um, in a lot of TV shows when you're talking about the um, you know romantic pairings, mm-hmm. where you know there's there's a diminishing returns I think in uh, in just having couples be happy together. I mean, some shows, many shows have, have done well with couples that um, you know have have not had a a ton of conflict or a prolonged will they or won't they. But I think for us, it just felt like, um, you know, without without giving away anything that happens in season five, um, a redemption of their or a, a reconnection between them that just worked and continued to work for an extended period of time felt like it, it just wasn't a lot of um, – just didn't give us a lot of material for, for story. Um, and so – and to me, I think the uh, – the conflict between them as much as, uh, you know, your reaction I think is, uh, is totally justified. And I, I think that's kind of the reaction we were hoping for. I mean, uh, you, you want them to have that, uh, that sort of chemistry and that history and feel all of that in a way that, that, you know, makes it kind of frustrating that they are not able to get past their issues. But at the same time for each of those characters, I think their issues are totally legitimate. I think, um, you know, from Liz's perspective, obviously she's she's helping people and sees Fillmore Graves as sort of an authoritarian, uh, you know, regime that has no right to uh, dictate, you know, who lives and who dies, essentially. And uh, from Major's point of view, I mean, the entire city might starve and and turn apocalyptic if some if some regulatory measures aren't taken. And so he's he's got his point as well, and. And that extends further. I can't remember if it's in one of their fights in season four, or if it's coming up in season five, but, um, you know, it, it extends a bit to the, the personal level too. I mean, it's not just a political discussion in the abstract. It is about who they are as people and, and, you know, what their, uh, you know, what their flaws might be, especially in each other's eyes. And I think that's great grist for the, the character mill, you know? Oh gosh. When major says of like, like when he finds out that Liv is renegade and he's just like, of course you're renegade. <laughs> I thought that was great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's uh, if I recall that, 
I think that was one of Diane's episodes, or I can at least vaguely remember her like acting that scene out in the room. I feel like uh, she's always had a really good beat and focus on the on the relationships, uh, you know, between our characters, and so a lot of the a lot of the good character conflict um, comes from her. Not to give her too much credit because. Uh, you know, she's very wealthy and um, much more famous than I am. So, <laughs> you know. so you're um, saying that was all yeah. you, right? <laughs> well, I think the, uh, we've established in previous podcasts that really when it comes down to it, the foundation of everything that you love in iZombie is, is me. <laughs> I, I, I completely agree. I, I, I'm on this bandwagon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, we might be the only ones, but that doesn't mean we're wrong. <laughs> and that's why you get a jacket, because you deserve it. Um, <laughs> uh, well, I mean, you know, speaking of, I mean, you do work on all these episodes together. Yes, there is one episode that is strictly yours, but, uh, you know, you contribute different things to each episode, <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, you know, I hear uh, a certain line. Or is, was there any uh, anything in season four that you were uh, particularly happy about uh, contributing, like any moment or even a, a line that you can remember two years ago? <laughs> oh, I don't know if I can. Because, um, you know, you you throw so much stuff at the wall in that room mm-hmm. um, that, yeah, it just all, it all kind of blends together. Uh, if we can go back beyond season four, before season four, yeah. uh, I'm very proud to have named the dog minor <laughs> that that always that always makes me laugh when i think about it um I laugh, but then i cry thinking about him on the back of that bus <laughs> but i think i think we uh we've all agreed that he found the happiest home that any dog has ever found at the end of that bus route he did um, so we don't need to feel i mean we feel sad for major mm-hmm. Well, you know, although I, even though it was kind of his dog, I really feel like Robbie loved it more. So maybe we should feel bad for Robbie. Yeah, that's true. And he had no say in I what mean, happened. Right. Yeah. Um, that, I think I told you before, that dog had some giant balls. <laughs> yes, I, I do remember you told me that. <laughs> oh, it's absurd. I like the, the images burned into my mind. Um, I don't know if they ever made it on camera, but on set, you just, I wondered how, how he even walked around without whimpering every step as they dragged on the pavement. You know? <laughs> and how did anybody compose themselves in, in scenes with him? <laughs> oh, it, yeah. It was <laughs> patently absurd. Uh, I couldn't believe it. They might have been used to it by the time I got up to set because, um, you know, he'd been in a few episodes prior. But, uh, yeah, it was quite shocking. Anyway, uh, moving on from Miner's Balls. Um yeah, I don't, I, maybe over the course of the conversation, as we continue to talk, something might um, pop into my head. But off the off the top of my head, I cannot think of uh, I cannot think of anything. I mean, there's so many there's so many moments from the episodes I've been credited with writing that uh, that I love that are not mine at all. I mean, obviously, you start with with Rob and Diane at the top for many of those contributions, but also the you know, the writers that uh, populated the rest of the seats in the room. Um, like the basketball speech, was that you? Sorry? The basketball speech from uh, Love and Basketball, one where uh, Liv no, coaches major. No, I totally shat the bed on that speech. I and mean, we, we broke it in the room and I was sent off with um, pretty clear instructions on what, what was supposed to be accomplished and then just completely screwed it up. Uh, so Rob wrote that okay. one. Um, 
and you know, <laughs> I should have been able to write that one, um, especially relative to the people in, in our room. Uh, you know, I was one of two people who I think had any background in playing team sports. So I've heard speeches like that before. The other person, of course, uh, who had much more experience playing team sports than I did was Rob. Uh, so he was, uh, you know, he was well suited to take that one. Um, but yeah, that was, uh, a lot of that episode, just if, if you want to know on the personal side, the inside scoop, uh, a lot of that episode was rewritten, um, as many of them are, but that one was not, was not my best foot forward. Um, and, uh, and was not particularly well received. Uh, well, I, I, I and not, enjoyed it. Well, that that's in the completion of it. That's after Rob and Diane have oh, rewritten it. Um, I'm referring to the draft that I handed in to them, oh, okay. and and that's not to say that anyone was was mean or hurtful about it. Um, quite the opposite. Everyone was very supportive, but um, it just wasn't. Excuse me. Um, it just wasn't. Uh, it wasn't that well written, frankly. Mm. Um, and I honestly don't know what the difference was. I don't know because the next uh, episode I wrote was later in that season. Um, and uh, that was the reflections of the way that it used to be. And that one went pretty well, relatively speaking. Um, and it was, I had to write it on a bit of a strange deadline at the time too. So, um, you know, coming off the heels of, of sort of screwing up the previous assignment, I was fairly nervous about it and it went okay. And I couldn't tell you for the life of me what changed between those two episodes. That's a, you know, the funny thing about, writing in general and, and trying to write for somebody else's voice and vision to some extent is, uh, you know, even in season five, I was never super confident when I handed in the draft, um, that, Oh, the bosses will like this. You know, you just, it's a lot of guesswork, strangely. Um, and thankfully they, you know, they mostly did as seasons went on, but yeah, that basketball one was, um, it was, uh, right in my wheelhouse, I grew up, like I said, playing sports and basketball was, was primary among them. Uh, and yet somehow I just, uh, I just couldn't find a key to it. So it got rewritten heavily. And then I got another crack at a, a sort of, uh, wheelhouse type episode with Goonstruck and, and luckily, happily, that one went a little better. Um, watching season four, I was always confused about how much Liv was wearing a wig, quote-unquote, which is basically Rose's real hair, it's, I get, I'm assuming. Um, but in my... I think, I think it was, yeah. 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 But in my rewatch, I almost think that like she wore it as Renegade, like that at first she wore it to hide in plain sight after her face was on the newspaper, but now she wore it to play the role of Renegade after Mama Leone was executed. Did, did, was I on to something, or was it kind of like as simple as, Rose didn't want to wear the wig as much... <laughs> So we just gave that to her. I don't want to speak for Rose, but I would imagine that any relief from uh, from those wigs would have been welcome. Um, but in the story, as far as yeah. storytelling choices, um, I mean, at first it was definitely um, you know to to hide her zombiness um, under under the specific set of circumstances. Um, you know, she had always been prior to that. Um, sort of out and proud as a zombie, yeah. um, but under these specific circumstances, uh, you know, the the choice was made to tan and die. And then, as the season wore on, I I may not be remembering it as well as you do. You do as far as um, why she kept going. Uh, I know they were making a, a documentary, yeah, 
uh, in which she appeared, I think both ways, didn't she? As, uh, you know, a tannin dyed live and as, as natural zombie live, or am I misremembering that? Um, I'm just thinking of one scene that she's on camera and that she's wearing the wig. Cause I don't think she actually dyed her hair. Cause then you'd see in another scene that she had her white wig on, you know, her white hair back again. So I'm assuming she's wearing a wig. I mean, yeah, story, story. I mean, tan and dye just as a shorthand. Yeah, for, I just think like tan and dye is like that's going to be the ultimate. Liv is decided to try to assimilate into <laughs> being a human. <laughs> More of a permanent uh, choice. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, sorry, tan, tan and a wig. Um, yeah, I honestly, I, I'm sorry, Robin. It's been so long. <laughs> it's totally okay. <laughs> I cannot remember. I, I don't. I can tell you, I don't think we were doing anything. Um, sort of sneaky or, or like, you know, trying to hint at something that we never paid off. Um, how about, uh, well, I mean, I don't think any death had hit as hard as Lowell's death in first season until you guys did the, uh, Isabel arc. Uh, can you talk a bit about doing that? Uh, like, I I mean, you know, obviously (laughs) it's dramatic television, you know, things happen. (laughs) Sometimes you got to kind of, Switch switch the things on, but you know uh, what went into uh, uh, bringing Isabel on, and did you did you know from the be- from the beginning we're going to bring her on? She's going to be the key, but it's going to come at a cost. Um, I think that was um, more or less the case from the beginning. I, if I remember right, I don't know if we had that storyline because usually at the start of the season we kind of try to break the whole uh, overall arc for everybody and i don't remember if we had that right at the beginning of season four or not or if it came a little bit later but i think when it did uh come up it it was always this notion of like you said it's it's going we're going to find this um the solution is going to come at a price um and it, you know, all credit to the young actress whose name escapes me right uh, now. Isabella Vidovic. Oh, well, that's convenient. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, she, she did such a phenomenal job in that role. I, you know, I think it's a, on paper, it's an emotionally impactful story, obviously, either way. Um, but I don't think it has, you know, anywhere near the, the resonance, it, resonance it does without her performance. She was pretty great. Um, and I, you know, I think it also uh, it also felt like a, a natural extension of this renegade story that uh, you know that we had concocted for for Liv. Um, it felt like it, it gave her you know more personal stakes because they had this uh, this sort of growing relationship as they I guess it was Peyton and Liv sort of fostered her. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, you know, I. I Again, not remembering all the specifics of how the story was broken. Um, I'm sure it came from from Rob and or Diane, but um, you know, just the idea of, of uh, the stakes being raised in the, the world at large and needing to see that um, in, in a real connected way to our main characters um, feels like that was you know the overall impetus. Um, and it's you know it's it's part of our job i think to try and break people's hearts i mean it's one aspect obviously that's not the the whole point of the show but it's uh if we're doing our jobs well uh, hopefully it's an emotional roller coaster of some to some extent um and in order for a you know roller coaster to 
uh, feel like a fun ride, it's got to have ups and downs. It can't just be all, you know, arms up in the air and screaming for joy. Yeah. It's got to have, got to have the lows if you're going to, if you're going to feel the highs. So, um, I guess, I guess in general, that's where I remember all of that sort of coming from, but definitely, uh, I think it was, you know, from the inception of that story, the idea was that, uh, that it would not have a happy ending. Now, Levon is a character that you introduced in, in your episode. And I mean, I think he's, you know, super likable from the beginning. I really, I really liked him as a, uh, you know, a, a partner for, for Liv. And, yeah. and, and Rob actually had said in like pre season four interviews that this one, this one's not going to die, <laughs> but oh, did he? yeah, I mean, I read a few <laughs> things, but I mean, I'm assuming that was just kind of like a smoke screen, like to keep us guessing. I mean, I I don't I can't believe that uh, people are asking him this question. You know? <laughs> but I mean, was it? I guess I I, I should just ask. Like, uh, do, was Levon? Were you thinking that Levon was going to go down? At, were you guys thinking that Levon was going to go down in the the last episode? Or um... I remember a, a big debate, and I, I don't know. Um, I, I don't know what Rob's intent was with that interview. I don't remember that specifically. Yeah, I wish I could cite it, but I just don't remember where I got that. Well, I, I do think that, uh, you know, my memory is, is not um, ironclad, but uh, I do remember us talking about maybe we should introduce a boyfriend that doesn't die, yeah. um, you know, in the beginning of the season. So it may have been that we were on that path. Um, and there was there was a healthy and vigorous debate all the way till the end uh, about, about letting Levon live or killing him. Uh, obviously, we know which side won that argument. <laughs> Um, but there was certainly, you know, there was certainly a lot of, um, self-awareness in terms of like, well, is it just, is it just becoming farcical now if all the boyfriends die? Like, it, you know, we made a bit of a joke about it, or made a bit of a meal out of that, um, in what we hoped was a humorous way when we talked about, uh, some of the previous boyfriends. Um, but yeah, we, uh, we, we definitely went back and forth quite a bit and, and it may have been the longest running if not most intense uh you know kind of back and forth argument we've had about major plot points on the show that i can recall um but ultimately uh, you know i think what we decided was the um and i say we i mean what rob decided was that the um you know leaning away from the repetitiveness of killing all the boyfriends or the the sort of goofiness of that was less important than what was, you know, what was going to have the most emotional impact for Liv uh, at the conclusion of the Renegade storyline. So it was almost, it wasn't done because all of the other boyfriends have died. It was done in spite of that, if that makes sense. I can't believe, I can imagine how much, I mean, we, we see it in the last episode before she comes out and gets that grand applause, like how much just seeing Levon's head just being completely obliterated in front of her. <laughs> what 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 it would do to her, you know? Yeah, that's gonna be a rough one. Um, I mean, the Mama Leone uh, execution scene yeah. was, uh, you know, was, was pretty god awful for everybody involved. I think, um, and then to have it happen again with somebody that you've been, you know, romantically involved with, uh, I would imagine would be a tough a tough one to take. Mm. Um, but life goes on in New Zealand. <laughs> uh, I mean, and that kind of brings me to talking about Liv and Clive. I mean, uh, in, in the relationship between uh, them, and 
so so Liv makes the the sacrifice of giving the cure to Basio instead of uh, taking it herself, and I thought that was a like a beautiful moment in the finale. And um, Nick, can you guys talk about? I I guess the show is over once you cure Liv, but I can almost imagine a plot point being. She gets cured and then she decides to become a zombie again to help people. Um, but did you – I mean how much thought went into the whole uh, – the fact that uh, Clive and Basio have to be together and Basio gets the cure so she can be with Clive. And uh, I mean how safe are they? Because <laughs> they've gotten uh, a great happy ending. <laughs> well, they um, they actually die off screen before season five. Damn it. Uh, so spoiler alert. I guess I should have said that before. Um, Is that the web no, series they, uh, that's coming? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, no, the uh, you know the sacrifice there. I think is just. Um, is just very much speaking to to who Liv is and who she's become, uh, you know, over the over the previous four seasons, and obviously it's you know it's the the gift is given to Basio, but it's really for Clive, right? He wants to be a father, I think more than anything. Um, obviously, he loves this woman, and so uh, you know, Liv as as close as she's gotten to him uh, feels like that's the right choice. And I think also because she has um, unfinished business yeah. as a zombie. Um, so I think that's where that came from. And, and, you know, obviously we hope it, it, it pulls everybody emotionally into that, uh, into Lib's headspace uh, of, you know, understanding why she did it oh, and, uh, and understanding how much of a sacrifice it was for her because, um, that's another debate we had a bit in the room is, you know, how much, how much does Liv want a cure at this point? She's, it's become so key to her identity. Um, but it's also the one thing that we don't, you don't really get to, um, highlight as much as, as I think, uh, is appropriate given the circumstances, you know, because the show is obviously has some pretty light and fun comedic elements when she's on a different brain every week. Um, but we we lose sight sometimes of the fact that it really it's not fun to be a zombie. Uh, you know, it's a shitty existence. Your uh, you know your ability to enjoy certain parts of life is completely gone. Right. Um, so there are right. parts of you that are that are dead. Essentially, there are parts of your humanity that are lost, um, or of the, the experience of being a human, the joy of being a human. Uh, and so uh, we hope that it feels to people like it was a very tough choice for Liv, but that, you know, the, the reasons, um, the, everything that went into her making that made it the only choice in that moment, I guess is what I'm, is what I'm trying to say. Oh, it's perfectly live. It, it, it was, uh, it was, it was a choice. I, um, I, I definitely bought, I didn't look at the screen and go, what are they doing? <laughs> it was, uh, it, it, it was, a, it was a beautiful well, moment. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, what we usually shoot for is to absolutely confuse and flummox everybody in our audience. But this is one case where we were like, no, we should, we should make sure we're all on the same page. Um, all right. So I definitely want to wrap this up, but I, 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 I'm going to have to just shoot some things at you about season five. Um, uh, so the trailer doesn't really give away too much. I mean, the, it kind of opens with the live doing like a, a, you know, a, I don't know, a two-step or whatever the dance thing is as she's dancing into the morgue. But we also right. see Liv all in pink in front of what looks like a like a dream board or something and saying, what's up on the phone? Can, can you give us any insight yes. on 
what that's all about? Maybe what brain that is or. Sure. Um, that is a, uh, I don't know how much about the crime to give away, but it it is, um, it is somebody who's stuck in the nineties, uh, feels like as much as I, as I want to say, I think, um, yes, it's a, it's a, a, teenage girl who's sort of stuck in the nineties. And so that's where all of that. So um, she's Captain the, Marvel's brain. Is that what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the other spoiler, um, <laughs> exclusive to your podcast, Robin. Uh, so we've established Clive and Basio died off screen and Brie Larson, uh, is a recurring guest star this season. Oh man. She she really worked cheap too. She just loves Vancouver. Uh, I you know I'm I'm thinking this is finally going to get us into the Hollywood Reporter. So uh, looking forward Perfect. to that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, we also see uh, Peyton in the dark, looking worried with a flashlight. Um, can you just confirm that Peyton doesn't die? <laughs> uh, I cannot. I that is um, <laughs> that's part of a storyline that we're very excited about, where Peyton just starts breaking and entering. Uh, into uh, various homes of, of anonymous people and uh, stealing things. Oh. That's her, that's her deal this season. Is she becomes a kleptomaniac, <laughs> and it relates, and it's uh, it's it's a very satisfying Peyton story. It's like the like a wet bandits kind of thing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I I can't confirm or deny uh, anyone living or dying. Uh, I mean the. the <laughs> The stakes are obviously as high uh, in this season as they've ever been for any of our characters. So, sure. uh, and, and you know, and Seattle is a powder keg, so nobody is safe. I I don't want any of them to die. I I'll just say that. I mean, obviously, you can't confirm or deny, but uh, I mean, maybe Blaine. If you, had pick, if you had to pick one of them to die, who would it's it? It's got to be Blaine. I mean, <laughs> he doesn't count. Uh, so so they're real good guys. Um, gosh. No, I can't pick any of them. The, it, it, Liv, it's we're talking Liv, Ravi, Major, Clive, Peyton, maybe Basio. No, I can't. I can't let any of them die. So uh, sorry if you have yep. killed them off. Please go back and reshoot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid uh, the the uh, the train has left the station. Uh, but uh, but yeah, it's a, you know it's a it's a tough time to be hanging out in New Seattle. So. We'll see. We'll have to see. What, what about Ravi? Does does Ravi have anything fun coming up for him in season five, or is it all you know, dour? What? <laughs> he's a he's a full time heroin oh. addict now from the brain last year. It's a rough one. <laughs> um, no, he's uh, he's got a lot of fun stuff. I mean, the dance episode I mentioned is uh, I, I think is such great comedy between him and and Liv. Um, he's on a couple more brains this season that I think uh, people will enjoy the the premiere, which. Uh, I think there were some photos released. Uh, you'll see he's, he's got a bit of a, a, a ruffian yeah. personality, um, uh, which I, I think he, he does quite well with. Um, there's a, uh, a competitive salesman brain that he and Liv both take in uh, another episode, which I hope is not too much of a, a spoiler. Um, but that's super fun. Um, you know, seeing them go back and forth uh, in their friendly but antagonistic way uh, is always a joy. Um, and so when he's on a brain especially and, and that leads to, you know, just personality conflict between him and some of the other characters, it's always a good time. But, uh, but not Peyton, pun- right? Because they're all set. They're happy. Everything's good. <laughs> well, I guess we'll have to tune in and find out. Um, I don't – I don't think he supports her her new criminal habit. Yeah, that's true. 
Maybe but, in the first uh, episode when he's on uh, whatever ruffian brain he's on, he can stand guard or something as she's looking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, you know, every relationship has its challenges, uh, and that's all I'll say about them. Um, and the, I was going to say the second to last episode uh, is is quite a fun one for um, for everybody, but um, another one where where Liv and Robbie get to have some on brain fun. Oh, so nice. uh, I think people will enjoy that very much. I love it when there's you know two 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 or three brains going at the same time. It's it's chaotic and fun, like a you know zombie knows best. That was a, that's a classic example. <laughs> Yeah, that was such a. I mean, that was such a great uh, bringing for the two of them to be on together, and that was, that's been one of the um, really fun things about the expansion of of our world, I guess, or of our you know kind of zombie rules, um, or just not the rules, but the you know the fact that we've gotten more of our main characters kind of dipping their toes in zombie waters. Um, just being able to have multiple people on brains and, and to see what some of the other actors have done with them and, and to watch them play off of, uh, each other while they're on these different, uh, and, and conflicting brains is, is one of the, the really fun things I think about the, um, expansion of our, you know, of our context of our show. Now that, uh, Dale and Clive are married. Is her name still Bazio, or do they finally merge to uh, Bazano to make the shippers happy? <laughs> uh, I can't remember. <laughs> I want to give you an answer, but I I don't want to give you the wrong answer. Okay. Um, I can tell you that it's definitely not Bazano. <laughs> can and and uh, you know can we finally make Charl Charl Crabarty happen as well? <laughs> <laughs> Feel like there was. I think it was off camera. Um, there was a there was a uh, a discussion between the actors, a little debate between the actors about what would happen if they if they got married. And now I fear if I say any more, uh, I will give stuff away. Sure um, yeah. Um, this is exclusively between uh, David Anders and Bryce Hodgson, right? Uh, <laughs> that was uh, <laughs> uh, those guys are great. Uh, they. Yeah. Uh, I think Rob mentioned in some interview that um, he would love to do a like a spinoff with Donnie and Chief. Um, and sadly, of course, Chief is is no longer with the with the show, no longer alive in the world of the show. Um, but I would love to see a spinoff of just Blaine and Donnie. Just banjo time. Just yeah, just uh, you know, just uh, like a musical, just the two of them at dueling pianos or something. Mm-hmm. Um, any kind of tease? I mean, there is this uh, new dynamic now with, you know, set up in the season four finale that Major is in charge of uh, Fillmore Graves and he's put Blaine in charge of getting brains by any means necessary and his, uh, yeah. his ledger is wiped clean. So can you talk at all about this new dynamic? Well, I, that just seems like a bad idea. Um, so we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. But uh, Blaine and, and Major are, um, you know, they, they have been strange bedfellows once or twice before. Uh, and it's always kind of fun. I mean, it, it's tough sometimes with Major's storyline because it is so, um, you know, centralized at Fillmore Graves. It, it can be tough to get him involved with our other regulars. Um, but it is easier, I guess, or more organic to our world to have him involved with with Blaine, especially with regard to the, uh, you know, the brain shortage in Seattle and Blaine's abilities to, uh, 
to circumvent any sort of embargo. Um, so that, you know, that was part of the impetus there and they're always fun together. Um, you know, giving, giving Blaine any sort of license, uh, to operate, uh, outside of the authority of Fillmore Graves or to, to, um, just allow him to be him, uh, just seems like it, it can't possibly work out well. Uh, for at least uh, at least a few people, but we'll see how it goes. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, one more thing. Um, I'm going to. Uh, I, ha- I have a list of episode titles that are on IMDb. They are unconfirmed, as far as I know. So, I, and I know okay. you can't spoil anything, but I'm going to go through them one at a time in like a lightning round, and you just give me like either a word, a grunt. Or just like a no comment. Because <laughs> I don't even know if these titles are correct, but they're on IMDb. They, they don't have the last uh, two titles, but uh, here we go. All right. So, Thug Death. I believe that's correct. Yeah. Okay. Well, you don't have to say whether it's correct. I mean, you just tell me, like, you know, a reaction, uh, a word, you know. <laughs> I just want to be teased. <laughs> Okay. You want you want like a little bit of a, a preview of the episode? Is that what you're yeah, saying? Yeah. Well, you just tell me all about it, or or just you know one word or no comment, whatever you want to do. Okay. <laughs> all right. So, how about deadlift? Um, you know, I'm going to tell you something uh, more insidery about deadlift, uh, which is that it was written by uh, Phil Hoover and Jacob Farmer, who are two friends of mine from the University of Texas. And they have been support staff on the show uh, for a couple years now, and this is their first uh, their first episode cool. together. Um, so that that is something I, I wanted to mention. I know that's not it doesn't mean anything to <laughs> to you in terms of the content of the episode, um, but yeah, just a shout out to them. And uh, deadlift is uh, is dead funny. <laughs> Sounds like weightlifting, but you know, obviously, you can't confirm anything. Uh, we already talked about five, six, seven, eight. Uh, then the next one is right. .zom. .zom. That's a classic John Enbaum script, and it's got a bit of a uh, Silicon Valley vibe, as you might guess. Nice. And you said episode five was yours, so this says it's called Death Moves Pretty Fast. You don't have to confirm yeah. it or, or anything, but – well, that is a play on a quote from a movie. I don't know if that rings a bell for it you. It does to me. Uh, okay. I'll say it's Ferris Bueller. I don't want to, uh, you know, let you have. You don't have to say anything, but <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. Oh, cool. <laughs> so uh, I'm thinking someone has a day off. Someone, yeah, I don't know. That's. I think we've gone as far as we're going to go on that. Okay. Uh, the Scratch Maker actually airs on my birthday, uh, so uh, oh, yeah. anything uh, anything good for my birthday coming up? <laughs> um, that one is uh, a little bit of a departure from our normal formula in that it's a little more Blaine centric. Ooh. Ooh, that's a mm-hmm. that's a good tease. Uh, filleted to rest. <laughs> I love these titles. Filleted to rest is a. I mean, as, as you. As you would probably guess, uh, is in the world of a uh, uh, high-strung chef. Okay. <laughs> Death of a car salesman. I'm assuming this is the competing salesman brain, but you don't have to say. But yeah. Well, I mean, I, 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 I've already kind of given that away, okay. so we'll, we'll confirm that. Um, it's uh, If anyone's ever seen Glengarry Glen Ross, ah. I think it's a bit of an inspiration from that. 
Uh, and like I said, it's got a, a lot of fun stuff um, going back and forth between Robbie and Liv. So they're going to put a big A, B, E, B on the chalkboard and it'll be always B eating brains. <laughs> there, is an, there is an A, B something joke in there, I think. <laughs> brains uh, are for closers I maybe. I'm trying to think of the Glen Gary, Glen Ross stuff. <laughs> you know what? That, oh, no. There's, there's a line that's like that. It's not brains. Okay. But yeah, you're, you're on the right track. All right. Uh, Diane Ruggiero actually once told me that I had some good ideas and I offered to stand in the corner of the writer's room holding the trash ba- trash can, you know, in case somebody needed to, you know, throw a paper out or whatever. And I could just throw in an idea every once in a while. But, you know, we never followed up on that. So, um, well, that's <laughs> uh, the Fresh Princess. Uh, that's the one we talked about with the 90s. Oh, um, is a girl that's stuck in the 90s sort of brain. Right. And is Night in the Zombie City your other one? Yeah. Okay. Yes, that's uh, get a bit of a noir vibe. Nice. I, and the last one I have a title for is Killer Queen. That's episode eleven. Which uh, I'm thinking it's it must be uh, like drag queen maybe, or is it a queen uh, homage? You know, with the Bohemian Rhapsody and all that. It is definitely one of those two things. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, and then episode twelve and thirteen are not on IMDb. Uh, I. Uh, I don't. I don't remember the titles to either, but I can tell you that uh, twelve is a is an action heavy romp. Um, that one is is packed and a lot of fun. Uh, and then thirteen, of course, is the finale, um, which you know to bring it full circle to what we were talking about at the beginning. Uh, we hope is a a very satisfying conclusion to the series because it has been such a it's been such a great experience for me personally, and I think for. Um, you know, everyone involved, I, I, obviously I can't speak for everyone, but I, I do feel very confident that everyone who's worked on the show, um, from the writers to the production staff, to the, uh, you know, cast and crew, um, was all very happy to have had the experience and, and very sad to see it. end. Uh, but we hope that our, we hope that our fans will feel the same way once the, uh, once the final season airs, that it was, uh, a great ride. And that they're sad that it's over. Oh, yeah. I'll, I will be sad. Um, uh, well, we, we would love to have you back in either t- five or ten weeks or both. Uh, you're always invited. Uh, obviously, you know, if you want to start earning like the, the six-timer pants or the uh, seven-timer, uh, you know, cufflinks, uh, <laughs> you're always invited well, I, to come back. I feel like, you know, the jacket's nice, but the whole suit would be better. So uh, <laughs> if we can – if we can arrange that okay. uh, and best color palettes uh, in the meantime, that would be great. Okay, all gold. Uh, <laughs> Perfect. All right. Well, uh, thanks so much for coming on the show. You know, you've got a busy schedule, but I really, really appreciate you coming on here and, and teasing the season with me. No worries at all. It was a pleasure as always. And thank you so much for all of the support over the years and, and continued support for our stretch run. We love iZombie here, so the, the support will keep coming. Right on. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the iZombie Podcast with Robin and Steph. Send your feedback to iZombiePodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter and on Facebook. Just search for iZombie Podcast, all one word. All of our contact info is on our website, iZombiePodcast.com. You can follow Steph on Twitter at Steph Smith. You can follow Robin as well at El Robin Yero. Our podcast logo is designed by D. Sheehan. You can find her work at Behance.net. 
slash Deanna Sheehan. Also, friend of the show Cheyenne contributes with photoshops on our Twitter. Follow her at iZombieLove. Check out our other podcast. You can listen to us binge cast through teen dramas like Dawson's Creek and Popular. Just subscribe to We Don't Want to Wait on iTunes. You can also listen to us occasionally talk about the Buffy spinoff Angel with our friends. Subscribe to Redemption Cast on iTunes. While you're on iTunes, why not leave us a review? We do this in our spare time so your ratings and reviews are much appreciated and helps us get seen by more iZombie fans. And make sure it's on the correct feed. We are the iZombie Podcast with Robin and Steph. And we're done. You think anyone is still listening? Probably not. Zombies! Zombies!